0: You're listening to Cinema Red Pill, I'm Sharon, we're here with my two other permanent co-hosts right now, Yeah, Joel and Timothy, and we're with Oscar Harding, Um, please introduce yourself Oscar again, you've been on the episode before but can we get to know of you again one other time, (laughs) for anyone who didn't listen to the past episode on Semben, please listen to that episode, it was great.
1: Yeah, please go back and listen. Listen yes. to everything Sharon does. But uh, <laughs> hello, I'm Oscar Harding, uh, based in Britain, film researcher, filmmaker. I created the African Cinema subreddit that Sharon's a moderator on. Yes. I'm also Africa editor for the website Cinema Escapist, uh, which Sharon is also a contributor for. And I also wrote a academic paper on the relationship between African and African American cinemas.
0: So I'm somewhat qualified to be talking to you today. <laughs> Okay, on today's episode, our theme is going to be depictions of slave trade in film, and we're going to be speaking in reference to three specific films. It will be Daughters of the Dust, directed by Julie Dash, Adangaman, directed by Roger Norm Bala, Sankofa, directed by Haile <laughs> Gerima. Yeah. Um. So, the only thing I would want to point out before we introduce the films is how two of these directors are from the LA Rebellion because in around the 60s to the 80s there were UCLA graduates who are pointed out to specifically have created black cinema as an alternative to classic Hollywood cinema and specifically Julie Dash and um, Haile Gerima are directors who paved the way for black cinema and what it is today. I really want Oscar to introduce these films because he has written about these films, so he knows them a lot better and what they're about compared to us because we just saw the films and we're deciphering them right now. Oscar, please yeah. introduce the films.
1: Okay, so first we have uh, dangaman. Uh, it's an Ivorian and Burkanabe film by Roger Nguyen Mabala. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> and it depicts the true story of King Adangaman whose followers raided neighbouring villages to produce slaves for the European Atlantic slave trade. Uh, the story focuses on Asay, whose village is raided, and his friends and family are either slaughtered or captured, and he teams up with an old healer to infiltrate Adangaman's village and rescue his girlfriend and his family. Then we have Sankofa. It's a 1993 Ghanaian and Faso film directed by Haile Gaurima, initially telling the story of Mona, who is a a vain self-obsessed African-American model being photographed uh, provocatively. She is transported to the past to uh, the slave trade inhabiting the body of uh, an African-American slave called Shola on a southern plantation and the rest of the story takes place in that plantation. And then we have Daughters of the Dust which is arguably the most well-known of the three films we're discussing. It's a 1991 film by Julie Dash. It was the uh, uh, the first film to be uh, directed by an African-American woman that was distributed across the U.S. on general theatrical release. And it depicts the last day for a large group of inhabitants from St. Helena Island in 1902 as they leave their Geechee culture on the Gullah Sea Islands to move to the mainland U.S. for a better life. We see the spirits of the past and relatives of old uh, who were too old and set in their ways to leave the island, persuading uh, their friends and family to stay. So we see the various inhabitants and their links to the island and to their past.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. So this, this episode is going to be more free-falling for us because usually I discuss film by film, but for this one we're going to uh, uh, put them all together and just try to discuss our theme about slave trade in film. Um Oscar, i would I would like to have you start with a discussion, please.
1: Sure. So I mean in very brief summary, uh, I feel like we're all gonna be clashing on which of these films we like and which we don't. So I definitely like <laughs> my, it, it is my it's my favorite African movie that I've seen. It's the one along with Uman's uh, Black Girl. I'd recommend to anyone uh, who's trying to introduce themselves to African cinema. Sankova I have some real problems with <laughs> on, on a technical level, on generally every level, and it, I, I find it a very frustrating film just because of the potential behind it and because of what an important figure Haile Garima is both for African and African-American <clears throat> cinema. I argue that Garima is the missing link, as it were, between African cinema and African-American cinema. So to have a guy with a foot in both these cinemas... Discussing, uh, you know, a huge historical topic that unites the African continent, and the African diaspora. It's a real missed opportunity because it starts off so strong, and you're engaged from the start. But I think the single biggest problem was, was as soon as Mona, in the best bit of the film, goes underground to the fort and she's sort of transported back to the past and she's whipped and stripped and we hear her sort of howling as she's abused by the slavers. She's then transported, as it were, into the body of Shola. When actually, if you had seen Mona on the plantation, you know, considered as a madwoman, sort of talking about how she came from uh, the future and how things are different for African-Americans and how they're also not different at all. It would have given it, it would have been more profound, it would have been more engaging, but instead it feels like the bookends of the film, which I think are the best parts of the film, and it just becomes a very generic uh, film about life on a plantation, which has been done better in films like uh, 12 Years of Slavery, TV shows like Roots. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I also disliked. uh... Mona's character for that reason is she was, so, she was just more of an observer. She didn't have any... I guess that was a stylistic choice, but she was just an observer. She didn't really have that much impact on the story. And I had the same issue, actually, in a Adanga Man. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> with Osei. Osei's character started to annoy me after, like, the setup. Where I enjoyed his whole deal. where I was, like, fighting with his father. I wanted to marry this girl. But beyond that, interesting things happen to the people around him, and he's just sort of floating around and watching it happen. He's always just sort of floating around, and he has this weird invincibility where he's not being killed by people and not really being thrown into harm's way. Then you slap a credit on at the end saying, oh, he became a slave. <laughs> and yeah, I sort of had issues with that, which is why Daughters of the Dust was my favorite had a wide cast of characters and everyone was doing something They're doing <laughs> things in the movie so I was infinitely more engaged when, no, they, when they came into conflict with each other and I was more su- sucked into the story but like now going back to Sankofa even, what what's the name of the woman Mona Shola. becomes? Shola
0: Shola, yeah.
2: Shola is also sort of an observer yeah. I mean yeah they paint her as, yeah she's a victim she's getting you know uh, raped by this dude on the farm then her whole deal seems to be she's in love with this other interesting guy from the West Indies yeah. and then you have uh, Nunu, uh, yeah. the, the mother character and her son, that's a more interesting story so Mona and the person she becomes really pointless to me, I agree with your idea When when, when they set it up I thought she was going to propagate transported into the past. It was sad yeah, it was, missed that opportunity. Yes, huh? yes it was an really exception.
3: I think it works because probably like as you are saying, them being observers in both Dangaman and uh, Sankofa, yeah. I think it probably they're trying to show that helplessness I think because even if, even if Mona went in the past and she knows she's an a African-American and she well spoken, well educated. She's not going to confuse convince other people that she's anything else. Probably you get. Yeah, yeah. She's still just a slave. So I wish I'd seen her battle with
0: that a yeah. bit. And again, the thing. And again, the minutes. thing
3: you're saying again of her being more of an observer. I feel she was heavily. I think she was numbed to everything around her. I yeah. Think, I think she's a big part of slavery. There's this indoctrination and your spirit is basically broken and you're just this shell of who you used to be. Another thing I also like, my problem usually with slave films, usually slave movies involving slavery, is like, usually this, like say Amistad, Mm. there'll usually be this Jimon Honsu character who's going to stand and be (laughs) that light in all the darkness, which really wasn't the case. Probably the the character is based on a true person, yeah, but in general, Mm. these people were really helpless and I think having a person like guys like Nat Turner, those kinds of people were very few and apart. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, these people were just sedated and whipped. And But then, sorry. shouldn't
2: the tragedy then come from having a character that's active and free will? And which is why I also enjoyed Daughters of the Dust so much, is how, how they were reacting. They were calling like saltwater Negroes, you know, mm-hmm. fresh off the boat, saying mm-hmm. good as speaking in African, how they like trying to like slowly remove themselves from that African identity. Cause sort they of... were
0: in an identity crisis, and that was entertaining to see.
2: Yeah, for me, this was a new experience in terms of seeing like the African identity slowly being stripped away across these three movies. You see the beginnings of it in a danga Man, and then you sort of see the aftermath in uh, Daughter of the Dust. Yes, and I think S- Sankofa, Sankofa is in somewhere too. in between. So I enjoyed personally Daughter of the Dust uh, the most because it was happening in that transitionary period where the, the Negroes are trying to be uh, gentrified and calling uh, Afri- old African beliefs hoodoo and, you know, distancing themselves from uh, relatives like Bilal, uh, the guy who, the, the last African right. to come off on a ship who was still a practicing Muslim. I found all those aspects interesting, how they sort of associated Africanness with something that was sort of primitive, and I felt as though well helpless, It because the Africanness was tied to that history of slavery for them as well. So I feel like it was poisoned in their minds and they sort of just wanted to run away from it, run away from that island and start over again. So I, I felt this was a really, a really powerful, powerful films.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, something that is universal with these three films is they didn't really find an audience. Yeah. Are you... <laughs> are you serious?
3: That, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, also, and also the filmmakers themselves didn't make that many films. They're pretty much like, though they're from the early rebellion, they're also pretty much like the same Sembenes, whose films were far apart.
1: Edangerman in particular, one of the things I found in my research on the film is it really started to find an audience uh, and didn't get well received critically in oh. Africa because it's depicting Africans as also being antagonists when it came to the European slavery. Oh, but okay. that
0: thing fascinates me because we learn about it so much in school. You you definitely learn about how the African ships were a pinnacle part of, 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 of slave trade and they were raiding people in order to get the slaves and, get, and give the white man something for butter trade. They were being traded off for... Like, mirrors, like mirrors and stuff Just small um, uh, What do you call it like, yeah, trinkets, Small uh, items yeah. And it's an honest thing It's the truth but people don't want to see and, it I think why, it's part of our history A part of which people need no, to but, know But I think even when they
2: teach those things To us the shadow of the white slavers still looms very large in that yeah. narrative. I like
0: how much it is there. Yeah, but now
2: here you you don't see any white slavers anywhere. It's just but
0: there are a looming people. effect. You're sure that this is what's motivating the African chiefs. Yes, but to I think, get slaves.
2: Yeah, but I think the other response was probably bad because was just we was us at the forefront now. Yeah, there was no like white man coming in and like here's the ram. It was just this Adanga man dude calling all the shots and. Raiding these villages, so yeah, I can I can understand why people might have not taken to that very well, like having it prominent and out there and in the mainstream.
1: <laughs> this is one of the reasons that it's probably my favorite of the three. Is yeah, it feels like something truly unique that we've seen in any cinema. Yeah, we get plenty of films about life on the South American plantations. Yes, uh, or in the Caribbean but we never have seen it since or before from an African perspective. Yeah. And especially the fact that we don't see any white Europeans in the Danganron. Mm-hmm. Yes, So yes. you're seeing the hypocrisies and,
2: you know, the, the, the greed. Yes, yes. Because that was also
1: on the African side. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very important film. And whilst researching all three of these films... There was absolutely no academic analysis of a dangaman. Nobody speaks about it. Mm. Nobody ever talks about a dangaman.
0: Julie Dash's film was re released after Beyonce's Lemonade uh, album came out because she was using the costumes and using the time, and it was to- sort of a pop culture relevant thing at the time. It was exactly released after she made that video, and people decided to embrace that culture immediately when she paid attention to it yeah I,
1: it is a film that we're seeing more and more as influential Yeah, and it's not hard to see why it's just it's another sort of unfortunate thing Julie Dash ha, has never really been able to release films beyond Doors of the Dust. she's done a few TV movies uh, she's now directing some TV with Queen Sugar I think that's in part because of Ava DuVernay, who is one of the producers on it I, and again I, she is one of the most interesting American filmmakers out there but yeah. she's never really been able to get anything made beyond this and I read a book about the making of this and surprise, surprise, it's a huge struggle for an African American woman even as early as you know, 20, 30 years ago, to get her film shown, let alone made
0: Oh, oh, wow. Okay. That's not surprising, but sad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I highly Kareemah, and at least is able to keep making films. But uh, nobody ever discusses Mabala and he's done a few other films. But he he uh, he almost reminds me of Oliver Stone. <laughs> he is an uh, he, he's an angry filmmaker, but an eloquent one. Yeah. And I'd love to see more from him.
0: Mm-hmm. True, me too. Uh,
1: too. Beyond this film, c- can anyone here tell me anything about Mobala? Uh, do any of your friends who I've discussed this with know anything about a Danger man? Mm-hmm.
3: No. I actually just found out about another film he did, Onom du Christ, which yeah. actually uh, has me very interested, which is basically about sects in Africa and all that, which is also another, I think, relevant issue even today
1: most of the people who listen to this podcast. At a stretch some of the may know of the Dust, even fewer would know Sankofa, and I highly doubt anyone would have no, seen or heard know. of the Dangerman. So what we're talking about here, as Sharon said before we started, is these are sort of
0: rarer films. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when we discussed Black Girl and some Ben last time I was on the podcast, I'm still obscure, but when people think about African cinema they would probably think of Semben. Yes. Mm, obviously, he's the yep. he's like the father of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like uh, you already pointed out, like the hypocrisy exposed in films like *A danger Man* and even *Sankofa* again, which has sort of this thing of you have to go back to your past, which I think is basically a weird black guilt thing. Uh, which again, I, I've also heard of white guilt which has been used in relation to a lot of, like, say, the Oscar, those epic movies involving slavery. What are your views on that, the two white, black, guilt? And, of course, I see them being explored in a lot of slave films. So uh, there's probably only one film that comes to mind that I enjoy that depicts uh, the slave
1: trade, and that's 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. I, 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 I love every aspect of that film and i think it's the only one that's ever really in terms of a film uh, has done justice to the horrors of it and the hypocrisies involved from the american side the rest of them yes they're very much uh, awards bait yeah <laughs> i haven't i haven't seen an attempt by a white filmmaker however good their intentions that has really examined slavery ...in any kind of interesting way. There always has to be a white saviour. You do get that, to some extent, with Brad Pitt. It's obviously because he was a producer on the film. Yeah. But it doesn't ever (laughs) feel quite as ham-fisted as it does in other films. What about... I feel like we're yet to see a film made by a white European or a white American that has something interesting to say about the Atlantic slave trade. But I think there is there is like a, a, a white Adangaman or a white Sankofa out there somewhere from a white filmmaker who is willing to address their part in it yeah. and their part in racial inequality. But I, I'm unaware of that sort of film existing. Maybe there is a film like that.
2: I was having a conversation with Timothy On the way here um, I don't know if there's a word for it But yeah, I, I, yeah the, the whole, that, that whole era um, Haile Gerima strikes me as like a Confrontational Sort of storyteller Anyway like the way it begins mm. uh, You have this old guy uh, The drummer appearing And it's like this accusatory tone And saying return to your past Return to your past It sort of sets it up in this sort of black and white way that I usually do not agree with at all, um, because whenever things are cast in black and white, it sort of feels like we're oh, pushing a certain agenda. Then you sort of lose me a bit, which is why I prefer something like "Daughters of the Dust" or so even "A, a Dangaman," which sort of straddles the, the the line and sort of shows the hypocrisy that's going on on both sides. Um, it 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 doesn't really it, yeah. It yeah. doesn't
1: really force a message on you. it just exactly. a certain era yeah. that would evoke discussion and anger. Exactly. <laughs> Again, Sankofa is just very. It just hits you over the head. Yes. With yes. Kareem's viewpoint and a message from yeah. the start. It doesn't allow you to interpret it. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So by the end, I was like, yeah, you've done all the thinking for me. Thanks. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's one I'd be interested in watching again. But yeah, you're talking about the technicals. I really enjoyed the cinematography of it all, it, especially that opening scene in the dungeon. Really great use of lights, great camera work. Yeah, beyond beyond that though, it was no, it was great. Like artistically, visually, he had like a really cool color palette going on in there, and which is why I also agree with Oscar. Does it being a shame that it doesn't quite take off where it needs to be, at least story wise.
1: I'd like to defend the cinematography of a danger man. Yeah. Which pretty, <laughs> up, um, yeah. There there's one shot and I I forget exactly where it is in the film. It's a it's just after the midway point, I think. Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about, is at night time. Yeah. yeah. And I believe it's the moon. Yeah. And it, it's a shot that goes on for a good of while, probably a little bit too long. Yeah. I probably say it's one of my favourite shots in a film ever. I think it's one of the most remarkable images I've seen in a film. Yeah. And I really like the cinematography generally yeah. in the i The the earlier African set, uh, yeah. stuff in Sankopa, I think the cinematography is great. Yeah. But I think overall it's. It's not remarkable cinematography. If you look at something like Twelve Years a Slave, yeah, every remarkable. frame is a painting. Yes, and
2: Steve McQueen and his cinematographer, whose name escapes me right now, they make the most of that environment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised Garima didn't really. It doesn't feel like anything special when I think the the landscape of the Southern states in the United States is has incredible potential. Yeah, he did sort of restrict
3: the shorts exactly. Like the frame Which I think again works
1: was with a the choice, the,
2: yeah.
3: I think it works again with probably The, the whole claustrophobia Because they already show them in the plantations When mm, she's eh, called Shonga And Shola have visited the eating That are within the, the plantation yes, They usually yes. have that claustrophobia They don't show like, there are very few shots of like The heels and all that which I feel could have been a stylistic choice. I guess. That's what I yeah. felt. Might have
0: been using the little yeah. resources, resources that they probably, had. Yeah but, yeah, but it worked.
1: I think *Daughters of the Dust* is one of the best-looking films I've ever seen.
2: This I've is loved true. The photography. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> in terms of even just the movements in every frame, the sort of like track the camera tracks with like the with the direction the wind is blowing in. Like, everything just flows beautifully. Everything is well-paced, well-edited. I loved
3: it. It was very coherent. It was. It no, was. no, because, again, speaking about camera movement, there was, I think, only one shot. I think that bothered me and Adanga Man. I think when uh, Osei is talking to this, the, I think the father of Naka, Yeah. the older guy in the settlement there, there's this shot that the camera moves. Do you remember that shot? Yes, yes, It moves and I felt it was so unmotivated. It (laughs) left and then it just came back and (laughs) that's one of the times I was like It
0: was unmotivated. Yes, it was an unmotivated camera move
3: but it's probably the only shot I had a problem with in the whole film.
0: (laughs) Personally, Joel, I really don't agree with you. Those movies were very incoherent. They are hard to decipher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sankofa and Daughters of the Dust, those two films were very similar and they kind of... (laughs) drift away because all the stories are interconnected and you don't even have a character you specifically want to follow throughout the film. They're just throwing on you different characters and their stories and you're supposed to decipher their stories in the moment uh-huh. and it just doesn't register for me. So those two films fa- failed for me in that sense in a, as oh. a spectator uh-huh. and it doesn't work. It do- Just anyone who's listening, prepare yourself uh-huh. before you listen. But one thing that I think Timothy said uh-huh. is you were motivated to see the films again because they still stay with you yeah. and you want to see again what was happening, which Adangaman doesn't have, maybe because it's a simple story yeah. and it's very straightforward. Yeah. There's, like It's thinking for you, you just have an opinion immediately after. But this is, an, a, the the Sankofa and Daughters of the Dust are films you want to see again. And try to register even more You're sure there's something you missed You're sure the the director Was pushing for something artistic And thematically Relevant in the times and you want to see It again but They're hard, they're hard to watch, they're tough to watch For me, both those two films Mostly Daughters of the Dust, that film was Very hard for
1: me yeah, then <laughs> I'd see. highly
2: recommend you watch again Daughters yeah. of the Dust actually has a lot Of characters you want to follow
1: So Sharon, mm-hmm. What's your favorite of the three, and which do you think is the most, for your mind, the most interesting or the the best depiction or analysis of the slave trade?
0: Definitely my favorite is Adangaman 2 because of the story's telling, which is very unique, and people don't get to see, and which is very true. This is not someone trying to make his own narrative about what happened. This is exactly... What happened, and I was fascinated to see something we've learned about extensively but didn't register, and being able to register it when I'm older now. So it it worked for me highly, and I enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed that there were women warriors, there were things that were actually surprising me in the film, what he chose to do. And they were, and maybe he might have set it up just so that there could be a a sort of relationship between the two. But that, that narrative worked for me so hard. It, it, that film was enjoyable to watch. It was, I felt like I was learning something which is good too. And it was entertaining, which is great for any film, even a film that's about slave trade. And yeah, by far my favorite compared to Daughters of the Dust. Its simplicity was pinnacle for me. I love that. I feel like films which try to sell a narrative with many stories not to register for me
1: that that brings me back to a point I wanted to raise uh, earlier so you talked about how you've been educated in this story and you you know about this, correct? yes Yes. Yes. yeah so at what age were you educated about this story?
0: very young very very young because we learned this in primary which we were about 8 yeah, yeah, No, no problem it was not SST We learned it in secondary school. Yeah. Not yeah. yes. so so really. Like P five. Ten years so old. Let's go around to 10. ten. Yeah.
3: Ten when you're about old. ten, there's the whole.
1: So, so this is something that we're we're not educated in until university college level. Really? Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um. I I won't I won't do the whole quote. Uh, the Developmental McLean's Work by James Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I find it very telling because, I, you know, I won't go off on a tangent, but as I'm sure you know, politically, everything's very volatile in Britain right now. Yeah, same thing here. Uh, <laughs> our, our leaders, certain people in the country, everything that's happening, it, it's its operating out of an arrogance and an unwillingness to learn from the past. Sankofa, go back to which... Uh, that from which you came. It's
0: the same thing happening here, Oscar, by the way. <laughs> you
1: should check the news. You should America. see
0: Uganda's news. You'll be amazed.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. no, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. That, and, you know, it's the same in America as well. Mm-hmm. It's an unwillingness mm-hmm. to address the past. Mm-hmm. Which seems very timely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think um, th- there's, a, there's a discussion that 12 years a slave should be shown uh, in American classrooms as part of the, the, the curriculum and do people okay. agree with that? Uh, I don't think it, it really progressed I know some people have even said it should be shown in British classrooms Yeah, uh, I don't know how far those conversations went but uh, I, I would agree there's, just a, there's an unwillingness to educate and address this at a young age when it's going to stick so if you're learning about this at an older age and you're watching these films when you're older in some ways, you're already set in your ways. they yeah. are unwilling to learn. <laughs> and I think this is part of the problem, just politically. And again, I can't speak entirely for America. Yeah. I certainly can't speak for the, the situation in, in Uganda. Yeah. But uh, again, nobody really saw Daughters of the Dust upon its release. Nobody knows danga Man. Uh, and the same for Sankofa. So these are films people should be talking about. Yeah even if they're not the best films like I'm not a fan of Sankoku but they're interesting yes yeah. and I, people should be seeing these as opposed to
3: uh, oh I don't know uh, Amistad Amistad
1: I, a <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that movie you know, I a <laughs> film about slavery that doesn't really have anything to say about slavery other, apart from oh there's a white saviour wasn't slavery terrible Without yeah, actually taking yeah. responsibility yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, not all whites are bad is generally the yeah, <laughs> sort of the message reality. in those films, yeah.
3: There's a one white guy that rises and... And they make a big yeah. deal out of, say, the revolt on the ship. Yeah, yeah. Ignoring I mean, the fact I mean, that there all was all a crime these, before all that. these
1: films that we're discussing, this is just my theory. Yeah. I, I, I believe that starting with Daughters of the Dust, they represent a second phase of both African and African American cinema. So I believe that both cinemas as they were are pretty much founded in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, the sixties, seventies. So I believe African cinema truly started with Black Girl. And I believe African American cinema truly started with Killer of Sheep. Uh. Which is a lot later, sort of you know, mid seventies. Charles Bennett, if you haven't seen Killer of Sheep, I'd highly recommend it. Okay.
3: Uh,
1: what, uh, but went but These are films these are films that had to raise their voice to be heard, so they're films that introduce and announce themselves to the world Daughter of the Dust, Sankofa uh, Adangaman, they're part of a second phase, that take responsibility for the past and are actually willing to be introspective you know, so the African role in the slave trade uh, the African American legacy and how African Americans sort of interpret their legacy and sort of overcoming the misleading representations by white westerners up to this point Uh, it's not just, it doesn't just have to do that, it doesn't have to these films have to exist just to go oh, we're different from the way we've been depicted by white filmmakers
3: (laughs) they're also going, oh, these are films we want to make as African filmmakers as African American filmmakers we have stories to tell as well that don't have to be about whites yes, uh... Yeah, but again, you said something about uh, 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 Charles Burnett's Kill of Sheep* being the start of African-American cinema. Don't you think it was probably the start of the more cautious cinema, like Daughters of the Dust? Because I'm sure before that there was black exploitation stuff, the <laughs> shafts and the like. So, Don't you think it and was it, the
1: beginning there's, of... There's even the argument that black exploitation isn't truly African-American African. cinema. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Because it's exploitation. Okay, yeah. and it, 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 It's in the words... Yeah, black there's exploitation. Black financiers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Personally, there's black exploitation films I love. Yeah. Uh, I really like Shaft, for example. Uh, you know, I, I like things like Black Dynamite and I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, yeah. which yeah. parody <laughs> those types of movies. <laughs> and it's important; it, it, they're important films in that they exist and they have black protagonists.
3: Yeah. Black, Shaft has a black director.
1: They can it has a black director but it's based on a series
3: of novels by a white author oh
0: oh really
1: okay yeah I didn't know one of the few white people to receive an NAACP image Ah.
3: award
1: what (laughs) (laughs) that is what
3: was his name by the way
1: Uh, Ernest Tidyman okay 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 well which I didn't realise either when I first saw (laughs) Shaft you know I knew a black director but I didn't realise that Shaft is actually a white creation okay you no. Know, oh, wow. Something like Killer of Sheep mm. like Black Girl uh it, it it's depicting African and African American life. Yes. Mm. Not necessarily in relation to uh white people. Obviously with black girl it is more so, you know, she kills herself because of her, her white employers. But uh Killer of Sheep again. It sort of reminds me of both Doors of the Dust and Moonlight, in that it's not really portraying a message. Yeah, it's just depicting African American life. Yeah, with no judgment and lets you interpret things for yourself. So the the, the world that these people exist in, it, to a great extent, it's because of white oppression, but it doesn't talk about white oppression. It just presents, and that's mm-hmm. why these films work so well for me. Okay. And a dagger as well it just presents it's not all oh, isn't slavery terrible it yes. just depicts what happens <laughs> so in kofa garima is saying isn't slavery
3: terrible you must remember your past uh, mm. yeah yeah but what about what do you think uh, if if so we left the old enslaved narrative what what do you think about more movies being made about some modern so do you think that's the way to go should we as, as they were saying in the movie always go back to our past or is it something we <laughs> should let go of?
0: <laughs> no we can't let go of it.
1: <laughs> the thing is uh, of the African films I've researched not a lot of them seem to address the past not just the slave trade yeah. but in general yeah and don't directly tackle both colonialism and also more importantly than that our uh, A a pre-colonial history
3: Exactly, I think that's the biggest problem Because I think Most of our history, the one at least People study in school and all that Usually begins with the coming of Say the British, you get There's not really a lot of history that was I don't know if it was destroyed or probably But there's not really that much history just yeah. myths, maybe Actually, in oral, don't know or you,
0: much
2: or at oral tradition. Before do, you, do that you know, they stopped teaching, teaching. The oral tradition yeah. stuff. Yeah, they removed it from really? syllabus. Yeah, yeah. Like they used to teach us like uh, creation myths. legends and African myths and stuff. Yeah, from different tribes, but it's no longer a thing. They're
3: going for a more Western curriculum.
2: Yeah.
1: Like mm-hmm. Well, then it, it's sort of going back to the British problem. Yes. Yes. Two things we never, two things we never discuss to any great extent when you're younger. Yeah. Are Colonialism and slavery, and our role in it. Yeah. Oh. And funny enough, we don't. Yeah, and, and we, uh, we we don't discuss uh, the Revolutionary War, okay. where America gained independence. Yeah,
3: independence. What? <laughs> what? That's, that's, that's shocking. It's
1: it, it's 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 people being embarrassed. Yes. Of the it. mistakes we made and oh. our failures. Yes. Instead, we only focus on uh, our victories. Yes. So. We discuss we discuss World War Two and how we won it for everyone, arguably. Yeah. Uh, So that's what they always bring up, (laughs) and they also talk about our separation from the Catholic Church and the foundation of the Church of England. Yeah. Yeah. So only ever talking about victories, and success (laughs) means we don't address when we failed or when we've made mistakes or committed atrocities. Yes, and you can't learn from that. Exactly. And this is why to some extent we don't see until films like Bell. we don't really see films that address our role in these things okay
0: I guess we're done right?
3: maybe Oscar
1: Oscar do you still have something to say? I mean I would just say people need to go and watch these films even though I don't like Sankova
4: mm.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> some clearly. people like it clearly yeah uh, I, I definitely think more people need to see A Dangle man a Daughter of the Dust in large part, thanks to Beyonce's finally getting the <laughs> audience it always deserved. <laughs> uh, and as I mentioned, I'd highly recommend reading James Baldwin's book of uh, film criticism The Devil Finds Work. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah, um.
1: Oh, oh and uh, check out uh, the African Cinema subreddit.
0: The African Cinema subreddit and Cinema Escapist, because now yeah, absolutely. we write about. Uh, also, Oscar writes about African cinema
1: that. Also, Sharon does fantastic reviews
0: <laughs> Yes, and I'm going to put up an interview with the director of Wale It was great um, Thank you Oscar for calling us Always a pleasure Timothy and Joel, my co-hosts Thank you This is Cinema Red Pill And thank you for listening